Hello, everyone. Tonight, I'm going to be reading the unabridged version of a story that I started on here a while back. The story was from a dear friend who wanted to capture what she perceived to be the essence of a crazy Minnesota farm out there on the field, something like that. Um, so I'm very excited. My dear friend, Stephanie, thank you, Stephanie. Um, let's, let's get into it. And I will be reading Michelle by Stephanie. Her head was pounding. She was sure that it was the first thing she noticed, but she wasn't sure what came next. Maybe it was that her mouth was dry or that her ears were ringing, or maybe even that sickening smell of manure hanging in the air. It should have been a quiet, relaxing Minnesota evening where you smell the hay in the air. As the ringing in her ears began to subside, she noticed the darkness. It couldn't be that late. Could it? She felt as if she had just left dinner at her friend's house outside of town. Mm, no, that, that, that was unnaturally dark, she thought. She grew up in the suburbs, have had a lot of time in the country, but now lived in the city. She knew there were different levels of darkness, especially in Minnesota. And as you got out of the city, the farther you got away from the city lights, the closer you got to the stars that would twinkle just for you if you held your breath just a little too long. This was too dark, un unnaturally dark. No headlights from the cars in the city, no streetlights of proper suburban sidewalks that come on just after dark, and no stars. There was something covering her eyes, hanging low enough to graze her chin as she tried to lift her head. This movement, though small, felt as if she were trying to move a brick wall with her bare skull. Way too much effort and so much pain. Instead of pursuing the monumental and useless task, she tried to lick her lips, something small. Her mouth was still dry. She swallowed three times, but before she could try again, this time there was this acrid, disgusting taste of soil and manure that she had previously only caught on the breeze. It assaulted her hard. She started to gag, causing her body to convulse, which only further aggravated the pounding behind her eyelids. Although she was blinded by the darkness, keeping her eyes closed helped combat the ache that threatened to consume her. She felt as if she had been training for this event her whole life, not because she was some highly trained spy or had military training, but because she was a woman who came of age in the 21st century. While her grandmother had told her stories about walking two miles uphill both way in the snow to fetch her little brother milk and never being bothered by a stranger with anything at all other than a friendly smile, she had been warned since she was a young child that eventually someone might try to take her. Her family didn't have money or political power unless you counted her great uncle who ran for mayor and lost in a small town that she had never been to and didn't remember the name of anyway. But someone always knew something and knew someone who had a cousin who had been taken just because they were young or pretty. A man would come in a van with no windows and snatch them all up. Always a different man and always a different van. Times had changed since her grandmother's childhood and young girls were no longer safe. Don't walk alone at night, and if you have to, don't listen to music. Keep your head down and hurry home to the safety of your family or a locked door or, for Christ's sake, anything that's not outside. The streetlights of a suburb or suburb proper suburban sidewalk sprawled across the upper Midwest would not keep you safe. Not these days. 
She had attended the obligatory safety nights hosted by her undergraduate dorm, where they suggested pepper spray or keeping your keys tucked but firmly between your knuckles, lest someone try to approach you in the dark spaces between cars. She had kept the whistle they gave her on her keychain until the cheap metal loop inevitably wore out, and it was lost to the abyss of a storm drain, or more likely, an old purse that she had donated when it went out of style. These stories of her youth and statistic-filled evenings of her young adult life were not meant to scare her, really. They were meant to warn her. They were meant to fill her with the caution and help her be aware of the reality that she lived in. She often found herself ignoring the reality for periods of time, and when she was at a friend's house having a beer or sitting at her apartment eating popcorn and watching horror movies with ghosts, that seemed more real in the moment than the perils outside her own door. She now knew she could have paid more attention to these cautionary tales or even to the true crime podcast and miniseries her friends were so deeply engrossed in. She had thought that it was silly they wanted to immerse themselves in the horrors of everyday life when they could spend their time focusing on the everyday beauties that surrounded their city. Now she tried to remember anything, no matter how small that might save her life. Her head was pounding, maybe a little less than a few minutes ago, depending on how much time had actually gone by, but it was still distracting. The time when she tried to lift her head was still excruciating, but a bit more tolerable. The ringing in her ears was a dull roar now, and she could hear a slight breeze carrying the smell back into her nose. She could hear crickets singing in the evening and the hogs in the distance. She could also smell that dirt that pressed hard between her shoulders and hips. She was on the floor. No, not a floor. It was solid dirt, which means she was on the ground. She could tell that. She could feel the, the breeze drift across her skin, indicating that she was outside or at the very least exposed to the elements. Her eyes were still covered and her hands were bound in front of her. At least that was one positive thing about her situation, though. Or at least she thought so in the moment. Her mind was clearing and she was remembering something that she had been told about how if someone would bind you, they didn't really expect to kill you, at least not in the moment. They would have disposed of her any way they could have to cover their dark deed if they had meant to. If her hands were in front of her, they may expect her to move under her own power. This might mean that they want to keep her alive, or at least for a short while, which meant she could plan for an escape. But an escape to where? She didn't know where she was. She didn't know how long she'd been there. Would anybody know that she was missing? When she left her friend's house, she had told them that she would be unavailable for the next four days as she worked on her master's thesis. She had told the same thing to her mother. No one would think anything was out of the ordinary for at least four days, maybe five, as she was seen lost in thought and missed notifications on her cell phone. How much time had passed? Had it been an hour or a day? Was anybody beginning to miss her? Did they feel anything? Could they just tell? There was no way for her to know until she uncovered her eyes and could take a look around. She needed every bit of information she could compile if she was to figure a way out of this. She could depend on nobody but herself. Slowly, she rolled to her side just enough to raise her hands to remove the soft cotton covering her eyes. She tried to prepare her eyes and pounding head for any light source that might try to assault her senses as soon as her shroud was removed. Her focus on this daunting task was so acute that she had missed the soft but not silent footsteps approach. But she couldn't miss the raps and the bafsing baritone voice that whispered, Oh good, you're awake.
Her body had frozen in terror. She didn't really want to think of herself as cliche, but where she hadn't wanted to move before to avoid pain, now she just desperately willed her muscles to move, and she would just have to find a way to overcome the pain that would follow. It's no time, no use trying to pretend you're asleep now, Michelle. I saw you moving a minute ago. The voice was not too deep in pitch, but it had a timbre that suggested chronic overuse or damage. The man seemed to continuously clear his throat, but it was even more eerie was that he knew her name. Even with her eyes still covered and her hands bound, her ears were working now and she was able to discern that the man had an accent, or rather the lack of the stereotypical Minnesota lilt. He must not have been from around here. She didn't know why it was important, but it stuck with her as it seemed familiar somehow. Please, she said in a voice stronger than she expected. What, what do you want from me? Please tell me so I can just go home. A short <laughs> slid from between his lips as if to signal amusement. If someone tells you a thousand times what they want you to do, why would one more time make a difference? I learned that a long time ago, that children couldn't be taught. But I thought maybe you would be different. You had so much talent. I, I, I don't know what you mean, she said somewhere between a plea and exasperation. You haven't told me anything. Haven't I? It was dark outside, but at some point he had turned the floodlight on and it immediately pierced her sensitive eyes. Her head still hurt, and the sudden brightness did nothing to ease the sudden transition from unnatural darkness into blinding light. Her eyes began to adjust to this new light, and she became aware of the large room where she was being kept. Calling it a room was generous. It was inside, but it had to be part of a barn or other building that sees daily work, or seen daily work as it was dirty and decrepit. This explains the smell of the hogs rummaging around on the other side, too, she could hear. Everything was dirty and there was feces on the floor. No sooner had her brain communicated this information to her that the man grabbed her tighter, bringing her face close to his so that she had no choice but to focus on his feature. She saw an older but still strong man with a graying beard. His beard must have been red at some point, as it was now a peppery strawberry blonde, bleached from working in the hot Minnesotan summer. His face was also showing signs of sun damage that had not been kind to his crow's feet and wrinkled forehead. He may have been older than her dad, but his arms were strong and his hands were calloused from daily labors. Slowly, her brain began to confuse the present with her memories, and she remembered him for who he had been. She knew this man. He taught her music before she learned he was good at sports and better at writing, and that she could use both of these to get the attention of the boys in her grade, much better than playing those complicated classical music pieces on her viola. How many times did I tell you you must commit and submit to be great? He growled. You could have been my greatest success if you had only done what I told you. M Mr. Rooney? She asked as if she thought he could be anybody else. Jim Rooney had once been her middle school music teacher. He had also tortured her as they shared the love of the same instrument. Why are you doing this? I, I want to go home. Home comes to those who are great, and to be great you must commit and submit. You gave up once. You proved to me that children are worthless leeches that drain out their greatness and don't care. 
You will prove to me that I was not completely wrong about you. You will achieve greatness or you will never be free from this farm again. He let her arm and she fell to the ground, unable to catch herself when weight suddenly came to rest and her tired feet. The broken shadow of the man she had once known and admired stepped away and began to pace the room. He was talking to himself more than he was her, and she could make out all of what he was saying, but he continued to speak. It could have been me with that talent, but no, it passed me by. It had to, if it had been me, I would have never given it up. I would have submitted. Suddenly, he turned to her. But you, you, you had everything I ever wanted, and I genuinely thought, I thought that you had what it took to prove the world that music was worth the fucking effort. That it was worth missing birthday parties and sleepovers to nurture the music inside of you. You let me down. You took the last bit of faith I had in children. I taught and my last hope for those people could become. After listening to him rant, she knew that his body might be strong, but his mind had begun to weaken. He had always been a gruff man who might lose his tempers if you caught him on a bad day, but she had never thought that he would knock her over the head and abduct her just to prove his point. Not that she had thought much of him in the last 15 years or so, but again, she tried to remember something, anything from the cautionary tales of her youth. Her mind was more clear than it had been the last time she tried to come up with a plan. She remembered an episode of a true crime series that she had caught at her friend's house a year back or so. The woman said that if you find yourself in a situation with an unstable person, you had two choices. You could fight if you thought you had half a chance of winning, or you could play along and watch for a chance to escape. She knew that she had no chance of overtaking the man that had once been her mentor. He had given her a concussion and already proven he was strong enough to lift her body with minimal effort. In addition to the fact that she had no idea where she was and had no way of getting anywhere, no way to get to safety and how long she'd been there. She had no choice and she knew it. She had to play along until her body healed and she could make a plan. You're right. I gave up. I was young and stupid. I regretted everything that I didn't have the strength to listen to you and rise up to greatness that you thought I had in me. She knew that she had to get him to believe her. She didn't want to overdo it. She was never much of an actress, but she refused to be taken out by a man who had once been trusted to teach children and play scales and lullabies. She refused to be another statistic and would play into his delusion rather than hand over her life. So she drew a breath and whispered, I think I'm ready now. She had never realized how slowly time could pass when she was not running from one thing to another. Two weeks had come and gone, marked by only rigorous tutelage and warm evenings. Every day for the first week, she practiced hours a day. Endless scales and blisters reforming on her fingers where calluses had once been. You've gone soft, the raspy voice of her former teacher, now captor, had yelled again. The blisters had broken, bled and scabbed over when Mr. Rooney began teaching her how to repair the many instruments he had saved from neglect over the years insisting she would never understand true passion and connection with her music until she knew her instrument inside and out, like a lover. These were uncomfortable conversations for her, speaking of such things with someone who had once been a mentor, but these sessions did give her the opportunity to look for a weakness she could take advantage of. She'd been moved into his house the first night, 
but her room was a windowless area and the door was bolted from the outside. There was no way for her to escape when she was there, but she was hopeful that she would be able to find an opportunity if she could only catch him with his guard down. She had been taken outside and could see far enough to know that she was not going to find help by running to a neighbor, as there were no houses for miles, and at least a mile back to the road, maybe? She never was any good at, lo at long-distance cardio and knew her only fruitful escape was to get a hold of the keys Mr. Rooney kept in the pocket of his jeans, which were dusty from tending to the hogs. Why don't you let me help you with your chores, she said one evening. If I'm going to be here, I might as well be productive. Mr. Rooney grunted. In truth, other than moving from house to the barn a few times a day between practicing and meals, she was not allowed enough time to consider an option for other than running. She had already been dismissed. She was not sure if he would go for the idea, but she knew that she had and would be in need to become more familiar with him and his routine, not to mention find a weapon of some sort if she was going to get herself out of this. Someone had to be missing her by now, but by the time that had passed between her abduction and when anyone had noticed, must have erased any trail Mr. Rooney had left because no one had come to rescue her. You always did have a mind for hard work, Mr. Rooney said. That is what gave me hope, and you would find a way to stick to your passion and your music. You'd missed one lesson, and I didn't think much of it. <laughs> and it was two, and then it took me a year to realize you wouldn't come back. Somehow the disappointment in his voice made her feel like it had when she was a child. At first she loved her time and her lessons with him. He had been full of praise. Later when she began to disappoint him regularly, the same tone of voice helped kill her love of the music. Unlike when she was a child, she had learned to work when people and speak to them to ease the situation. I'm sorry I disappointed you, she said in a sympathetic tone. I disappointed myself too. I didn't know then how much of a mistake it would be to give up something that I had worked so hard on. I do regret that choice every day. She knew she was laying it on thick, but she was hoping he could come around and not see her act. She remembered when she was a child that if his disappointment blossomed into anger, she could talk her way out of some of his punishments by apologizing and agreeing to work harder. I just can't help thinking that if you spent less time on your chores, there would be more time for me to get back where I was. Mr. Rooney nodded, as if accepting the reasoning. The next morning, she awoke before dawn, given the jacket, and set to work. Two more weeks passed like this, and she remained on Mr. Rooney's good side. Somehow, she knew that if the police had been searching for her, they had most likely given up. Her search for a weapon around the farm had not provided with her any viable options either, unfortunately. Some were too large for her to effectively use and hold, and the others were cleaned up and taken away as soon as she was done with the chores. Mr. Rooney may have been driven a little mad over the years, but he had not completely lost touch with the damage that these things might inflict if he did not remain vigilant. He even took the tools she used to repair the broken violas. Not that a small hammer or pliers would have been much help. Every day she became more desperate. Other than the abduction, he had not hurt her, but she did not believe that would remain true if she refused to play along with what his delusion was or failed at an escape to attempt. What would he do to her mother? What 
she just become one cautionary young tale, a young woman who went missing and then forgotten? She knew she only had one chance to get out of this herself. Every night after her bedroom door was bolted from the outside, she listened for Mr. Rooney's footsteps to recede and went over the list of options and things that she had learned that may help her. Running for help was still not an option. There had not been any deliveries to the farm by someone who might recognize her or at least provide her an escape. She had not produced a weapon, which would allow her to get the keys and get in the old truck to get away. Though through helping with the chores, she had learned that there was a set of spare keys just inside the barn. She had not been left alone long enough to pilfer them and feared that if she took them too early, Mr. Rooney would notice their ruin and that they were gone and ruin her plans. Tonight, she was disheartened to once again realize she had not made any headway, just like in the last few days. Instead of thinking that all of these things didn't have any malice. Tonight, she decided to try a new tactic. What did she have? Things that she had access to every day was a pretty short list. There were the hogs and their feed. The hogs might make good distractions if she could find a way to let them loose, but that wouldn't be so obvious and it would earn her a one-way ticket to being locked in her room for days or hit over the head that rivals the one that put her here. The gate to the pen was hard to close on the best of days. Maybe she could leave it unlatched enough that it would not be obvious that she had done it on purpose. While this plan began to form, she was distracted by the fact that she had no weapons to injure Mr. Rooney, none that would allow her enough time to get the keys in the barn and then get in the truck. Again, she listed herself the things that she had access to every day. Other than chores, she spent her hours practicing and another few hours rebuilding the neglected violas. It was odd to her but it brought her some kind of pride. Practicing had become tedious, even more so when she was putting up on the facade that it was something she wanted to do and wanted to spend the rest of her life doing. But bringing the old broken bits back to life and getting them to play the music, that gave her a sense of pleasure. The tools she was given were locked up each day. They were locked up in a separate room with their own key and their own locked doors. The only thing that was left out were harmless, but what could she do to change that? Her first thought for a weapon was to sharpen the end of a bow to create some sort of narrow or small spear. While this might inflict a distracting wound, it wouldn't be enough or tough enough to conceal until the morning of her choosing. She would need something smaller. Following this line of thought, she suddenly imagined the pegs she was consistently and always evaluating and replacing, shaving down to make sure they fit. They were strong enough to hold the tension between the strings and last for many years. Surely, Mr. Rooney would not notice if one or two went missing, and he often left her alone with the tools and projects for short amounts of times once he she began to gain his trust. This plan had merit. It had to have merit. It was the only goddamn thing that she had. She could sharpen some, and it would fit easily in her pockets. She could carry with her on a daily basis, during her chores even. They would have to pack a punch, literally. Throwing them would inflict no damage at all. But if she tucked them between her knuckles as she had been instructed to do with her keys years ago, this could be useful. If she could land a jab or two to the neck or face, the pain would be debilitating enough of a distraction for her to get away. Finally, a viable plan. As she imagined and reimagined her plan, she fell into a deep sleep, 
morning would come swiftly. With her plan set, she spent the next few days thinking of every outcome almost to the point of obsession. She paid special attention to the hog pen gate and how much pressure it would take to open it when it was not latched completely. Luckily for her, that if the gate opened, the hogs would make a run for it unless they were otherwise distracted by food. Meaning she would have time to go to the to make an unkosher exodus carefully. In addition, she was nearly finished with her weapons. She had formed them to a deadly point and shaped them just so, just so that they would rest between her fingers without slipping. If she had to take more than one swing, she did not want to drop her weapons on the ground. When she had first formulated this plan, it made her queasy to think about imparting such violence on a broken old man. The past few days had eliminated the reserve she had, she had known that Mr. Rooney had some kind of unrealistic expectations of her ability, but she thought that between the improvements she had made to her previous ability to keep him calm, she would have more time before he became impatient with her. Impatience from this man could very well be her downfall if he chose violence. The more she thought about the changes in her current predicament, the more convinced she became that she needed to act soon. There would be no other opportunity. The next morning, she was once again awoken before the sunrise. The sun was not out, not even dawned. Sometime later, they left the house and walked past the barn on their way to the hog's pen. The rhythm they had settled in began to play out. She went to fill the water at the pen as Mr. Rooney pulled out the feed. Water first, so they didn't have to trip over next year's bacon after the food was laid out. She hauled in one pail of feed and dumped it into the trash. She returned to where Mr. Rooney was filling up the next load for her to put it in place. Her heartbeat ratcheted up to a few notches above what was normal, and she began to move her heavy load. She'd hoped like hell that her manner did not seem out of the ordinary. Her plan was to put this round into place and leave the gate unlocked just so, and after everything would happen so quickly. The hogs had not yet found a spot to enjoy their breakfast, so they swarmed into the gate in anticipation. She exited the pen and left the latch open halfway. Two of the four steps from the gate to where Mr. Rooney was working, she pretended to catch her foot on a loose board falling to her knees, knocking the feet onto the ground, dispersing it and catching the hog's attention. With a convincing gasp, she grasped her, her leg as if she had hurt herself in the fall and caused her pain, and reached into her hand into her pocket, grasping her makeshift weapons. As expected, Mr. Rooney was caught off guard just as the first large hog threw open the gate and made a run towards the food. A few smaller hogs only saw freedom and began to run further distancing the old man. This was her only chance and she fully intended to take it. Pushing herself up from the ground, she shifted the pegs into position between her pointer and middle fingers. Even if he had been watching, he might not have noticed these small movements as it looked like if she were rising from the ground to fetch some wayward hogs. She felt the movement and decided to, that she deserved an Emmy for her performance, but she would settle for making it off the farm with her life. Mr. Rooney was coming closer and closer to her, but unaware of the danger he was in. He was yelling something at her in his raspy voice, and she didn't take the time to try to understand. She didn't care. Without a doubt, it was filled with anger and probably belittling. She counted on his anger to further distract him and swung her right fist towards the side of his face. The adrenaline pumping through her veins fueled her jab with more power than she thought herself capable of. The punch landed in the soft spot 
on his left cheek. One punch along would have caught him off guard in this moment, but added pain of the sharpened legs and punching through the softness of his aging cheek added to his shock. It might have distracted her as well if he left if her left fist was not though as well on its way down to the side of his neck. She'd only planned one or two blows to render him shocked enough not to pursue her, but her body took a third opportunity. She drew her right fist back again and threw one last powerful punch, landing squarely in front of his throat, lodging the peg somewhere in the vicinity of his Adam's apple. The cry of pain was barely discernible above the roar of blood in her ears as she took off racing towards the barn. Fifteen bounds and she was at the barn door. It was regularly left open to aid them in their morning chores, as it had been today. Reaching up to the key hook just inside the door, she grabbed at the keys to the old Ford Bronco that was parked just outside the barn door. As she pulled back from the wall, she could see Mr. Rooney still lying on the ground, probably crying in agony. She didn't care. This and the fact that the truck was parked closer than it had been the other day gave her enough time to throw open the truck door and get the key into the ignition. Putting the truck into reverse, she caught a glimpse of Mr. Rooney staggering to his feet, blood flowing from his open wounds and cheek and down his neck and chest. This was the last that she saw of him as she slammed the truck into gear. She left the broken man that tried to break her in a cloud of dust, laced with hog shit as the truck fishtailed and then righted itself and sped towards the main road. It was then that she realized she didn't know which way to turn when she met with the paved road a mile later. In that instance, she made a decision to turn east, riding her white stallion into the sunrise.